0: It's time for America's most unique motorsports show. Mostly Motorsports with Scott Trailer. Brought to you by Lucas Oil Products. It works.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Mostly Motorsports. I'm Scott Trailer, along with producer Austin O'Neill. Kirk Elliott in the house with us here at RBN, the Race Boys Broadcasting Network. Got a good show lined up for you today. Scott DeLozio is going to join us. He is the voice of Paris Auto Speedway. He's going to join us here in just a little bit. Got a lot going on today. We got a lot to talk about. Um first of all what I want to start off talking about and I and and I know that most people um I don't know about I know Kirk watched it last night. Dieter and I watched it last night. The CMA Awards. Did anybody else watch the CMA Awards last night? Just curious if people watched the CMA Awards last night. Now, Austin, I know you didn't watch it because you don't watch TV, right? And I
2: I I take it that CMA stands for Country Music Award, and I'm not a country fan,
1: and will not give country music a second of my time. Why is that? I just you just don't like it. You just don't like country music. You know, I, 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 to be honest with you, um, I like new country music better than I do old country music. Now I know Tammy; she's into music. She watches The Voice. I know she watches it. But um, Frog, were you were you happy with the awards last night? How about entertain entertainer of the year? Luke Combs won entertain, entertainer of the year. Is anybody disappointed with that? I don't know. I, I gosh, that guy is he, he's pretty good, right? Um, but there was, there was a few other people that, uh, I I really wasn't album of the year. Luke Combs won, um, song of the year, um, Luke Bryant, he, he, he picked up that, that win, um, female vocalist of the year that Lainey Wilson, who, it, I've never heard of her. Has anybody ever heard of her before? I've never heard of her. I, I I just I I really have never heard of any of her music on the radio. I don't listen to country a lot when I'm on the, on the uh, on the radio. I listen to talk radio more than anything. Um Patrick says new country sucks. Well, you know, it, it, Listen, when I was growing up, um, I was kind of a Southern rock guy, right? I listened to the Allman Brothers, Leonard Skinner, Molly Hatchet, Blackfoot, Marshall Tucker Band. Those were the kind of bands that I liked listening to when I was a kid. I don't know. Anybody else listen to Southern rock when they were growing up? No response at all. Um, anyway, so uh, yeah, that's what I listened to, and and I think the the new country music's a little closer to southern rock back in the day. Anybody else? Kind of feel that way. Um, but that was all. That was what I listened to back in the day. Anyway, so let's let's get into it. Hey, listen, Austin. Uh, I I gotta I gotta. Talk to you about this Scott Bloomquist interview that uh, he did over at Dale Junior's. I think we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but he was talking that he he'd been abducted by UFOs. did you, Any, did you listen to the whole interview? What What did he say? No, I'm just asking that you listen to the whole interview. No, I didn't listen to okay. it at all. Did, but but he insinuated he'd been abducted. Hadn't oh he? yes, he talks about that for for a little bit. Yeah, and it's. But now, he says, don't go in the tube, go in the saucer. Isn't that what he said? Yep, the cigar-shaped
2: one. Don't go in that. Go in, the, go in the saucer. But, um, you know, your your timeline, time aligning this and that's, you know, what he says is about the you know, the mid '90s is when he was supposedly abducted by aliens and. He said he I'm, was gone a couple days. I'm not. He? I'm not denying it and i'm not saying um, that it happened uh i would love to to have him tell the story um you know i've i've watched stuff about you know area 51 and all that and and i mean no nobody really knows but you know there there's some wild stuff out there
1: but of all people scott bloomquist is abducted by aliens yeah uh, you know i don't know if you know this or not but we had don Garlitz in our studio back Kirk, how many years ago was that we had Don Garlitz back in our studio? About 10 years ago, probably? Yeah, at least 10 years ago. Uh, 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 Probably 10 years ago. And Don Garlitz said that he'd been abducted by aliens as well. Do you believe in aliens, Austin? Do you believe that that's possible that you could be abducted by aliens and taken up into a saucer?
2: Well, after watching, um, you know, Joe Rogan's interview with uh, what's the guy's name that works at uh, Area Fifty One, Bob Lazar, um, you know, and and what Bob had to say was, was pretty insightful. Uh, and I I I recommend everybody go out there and listen to the his his interview. And um, you know, a cool thing about you know Rogan's podcast, it's that's the only episode I've ever watched of it, but. Um, I, I, I'm a Spotify person and, and you can sit there and, and listen to it or they have an option where you can watch it too and have your own studio camera. So that was pretty cool. And, and it kind of put, you know, names, uh, voices to na- uh, faces and, um, yeah, it was from, from what, some of the things that he said, it, it it's you made you second, second guess and, and, and have some, some up, different thoughts about, you know, what's, what goes on, um, you know, and outside of the atmosphere and um you know it's it's very capable that that's you know the case and and we might have extra life out there i just wish they would have maybe abducted some other people and and never returned them to earth um instead of messing with you know bloomquist and, and don garletts but and then let um, them come back yeah i mean i thank god they came back but i wish they would have sucked in a different group of people and, and never returned them but um you know we we can never get that lucky right
1: yeah um we listen, to be honest with you, we would be foolish to think that we're the only planet in the universe that has living people on it. Would you agree with that? yeah I, yeah I guess you have to. I mean there's I mean no, parallel all the universes
2: and 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 universes on upon universes and and it, it's never ending from what I understand. And it, there's no way that we are one in a billion or one in a million or one in a trillion out there. There's there has to be multiple of us. And and, you know, there's a great possibility that, you know, we are one version of us and there's another version that's identical to us living a different storyline um in another in another universe I like is what that you're true saying. I don't know but I, I, I'm picking up what you're spilling I mean there. there's there's a possibility I could uh you know there's a possibility Dale Hart never died in 2001. there's a possibility uh you know Elvis didn't die Elvis didn't die or Tupac <laughs> or you know anybody like that so you um it's it's all what you you know believe or you know see and read but well it's if if the day ever comes to where this is we actually have fact and 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 information about you know extra life or you know people outside of of our world it's
1: i i would just love to see the reaction of of everybody patrick he said seriously we are not alone i was abducted by a hooker at a ta <laughs> That's a great line right there. Oh man, that's good stuff right there. Um, but I think we'd be foolish to think that we're we're the only planet that has living human beings. Do you do you feel like aliens? <laughs> to get a little farther off, do you feel like the aliens that are from an, another planet look like human beings that are here on? In in, in, in on earth, do you think that we look the same or do you think we look different? You think I
2: I think I think there's maybe uh ones that that fit in and there's ones that you know look different. Um, I bet you there's one sitting next to me right now that we can't see. Um, he's sitting right there next to you. I we never know. I mean, it it, could be we could we could be having the same conversation in, in different in different bodies in a different different universe right now. Uh, same settings, same everything, just just different versions. I, I don't know. That's kind of far out there. But
1: um, Have you know. ever looked up into the sky and seen something floating around up there that you think, that's suspicious? Have you ever done that? I just don't look to the sky. Why? Just just don't look. Just don't look? When it's your time, it's your time. But you are very sheltered. You know that you, you, you live quite the sheltered life. You don't watch TV. You don't look at the sky. You know, when I sit out here, you know, I've got a hot tub at, at my house here. And when I sit out there, I look at the sky and I'm telling you from time to time, you see things moving around up there. You wonder what the hell is that? You just never know what it is, right? Some. And sometimes I've got this app on my phone that tells you what airplanes fly fly by. I live close to an airport, the downtown uh, airport, the Charles Wheeler downtown airport. And planes fly in to land at the airport and they fly about 2,000 feet over my house. I've got this app that tells you the, how many knots they're flying, how high they are. Where they're coming from, where they're going to, and i I get on this app all the time and look at the planes that are flying into the downtown airport here in Kansas city and uh, the these airplanes again they only fly about two thousand feet over my house do, uh, do planes fly over your house a lot
2: Austin uh you'll get the occasional you know commercial airplane with. Uh, you know, going into KCI, uh, you'll have the occasional life flight, uh, or, you know, pedestrian, uh, you know, single seat aircraft. Um, yeah, that's about it. I, I don't get a whole lot or we're, we're, we're kind of out in the middle of, I don't want to say nowhere, but we're far enough away where we're out of, out of, uh, flight path
1: of, of you're a little bit of out planes, in the country, right? Know? Yeah. You you're not really that far out into the country, but you're a little ways out into I'm, the I'm I'm off the normal flight path of of most planes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I think if if you if you're smart you got to believe that there's other people out there in this universe. I I I just I can't believe that there's not other people out there. I uh, just hope they're race fans. Billy he said uh Bloomer also said that aliens are here among us and he can tell who they are when he sees one. Listen, <laughs> I, I I I'm just gonna say this. I'm I'm not so sure that maybe Scott Bloomquist has has done a little too many drugs in his lifetime. I'm just saying. If 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 somebody can look at somebody and tell if they're an alien, they're not wired right.
2: I I can make some good comments about that, but I'll save I'll save that for.
1: What what? No,
2: uh, I I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna get myself in a lot of trouble. Why? I I just know better. I, I sh- that's that's
1: funny that he brings that up. That's why do, why do you say? Come on, Austin. Just, just be yourself. No, I. Y-
2: you're not going there. Nah, I'm not going to go down there. But uh, it's cl- looking at somebody and telling them if they're an, an extraterrestrial or an alien is is one that's that's pretty funny. And, it's a little whacked out. Uh, it's it's out there. But I mean, if if I can look at somebody and determine if they're they're human or not, um, I can make some great assumptions.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, let's move off of that. Hey, hey did you hear that uh, uh, KKR is looking for new crew members for both the 9 car and the 49 car? Did you see that?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of teams right now looking. Uh, Brock Searfoss just made an announcement. He's looking for, for help, too. So, uh, you know, you get you get to the off season, and, you know, either guys, you know, leave for, for better opportunities or, you know, get off the road or, uh, you know they just need more help with with their schedule. So uh, it's it's pretty common to see you know at least every team looking for one maybe two guys at
1: the end of the year. Um, Frog says I have a pilot's license. I've seen a UFO. Lucky my wife saw it also. Frog, I'm with you, bud. I I believe that there's some UFOs out there. Uh, I I I'm totally totally believe that there's there's aliens from other planets out there um what so it's a little to me getting back to the kkr thing you know i don't think people realize how tough it is to travel up and down the road and to live on the road and especially to run a world of outlaw schedule that's that. That's not easy to do, is it, Austin?
2: Uh, no, and it's it's not easy to go racing for two days, three days a weekend, anyways, uh, and, and on a on a lot you know smaller schedule. So, uh, you know, Brian Carter Brian Carter did a great interview with with Wing Nation. Uh, it's about oh, forty five forty five minutes long, and, and I I listened to it and and. Uh, what do you say
1: about the high limits deal?
2: Uh, that's. You'll have to, it's one of those interviews that it, you need to sit down and listen to it entirely, and then instead of getting a um, a version of it, you know, paraphrased to you, uh, it's, he made some good comments about, you know, the future of sprint racing and what he wants to do, but, you know, what he mentioned was there was 16 rainouts this year, and they ran 71 races, they had about, you know, 80 to 90 scheduled, so, um, you know, it was nice for some teams having nights off, but... You know, that's 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 a tough deal to go out there and, and you know, run um, you know, if if you're an East Coast team running the in, in the west for a month, month and a half and, and, and not get back home very often. So it's and even even when you're a local team and you go out and run, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday or uh you're out for a couple you know, a couple nights show, it's 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 very tough. It's uh it's definitely a lifestyle you have to choose and be committed to, but um it's it, it, it'll really, it'll really figure out. You as a person will figure out, um, you know, what you want to do
1: with your life after if if you're on the road for a while. Well, as a person that traveled up and down the road for 13 years with the national tour, uh, I can tell you this: the, the the most difficult thing about being out on the road and, and and it's when you have to race in a town one night, say on a Thursday night. And then you have to be at another town the next night on a Friday night, so. You know these teams; they got to do the maintenance, they got to do all, they got to do everything to the car, do all the maintenance, clean the car, uh, get prepared for the next night, and they got to do that before they load their car up. Most teams do it before they load the car up, and then they go to the next track. It, it, when we were doing our live pay per view. We would have to tear down all of our equipment, load it up, travel down the road two or three hundred miles, then get up and drive maybe another hundred miles the next day and get to the next track and then set up and do it all over again. It's not easy. It's, It's one of the most grinding lifestyles a person could have. And unless you've done it, you know, there's so many people. I, I've, I've heard so many people say that, man, I'd love to l- do what you do, go out there and live up and go up and down the road. Listen, it's not fun. It, it's not easy. It's not a glamorous life either. It's, it's not easy at all to do what some of these teams do, traveling up and down the road. You know, being out of town 180 days a year, that's six months. It's not easy to do, and the world of outlaws would even be more difficult. I can't even imagine what what it would be like to travel with the world of outlaw team.
2: Oh, it also falls back on on your series and your promoter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, teams don't mind you know driving. You know, let's say you race on Friday and you got to go you know to a next track on Saturday, or if it's a Friday Saturday, it's a new deal. But when you are forcing them to drive four to five hours to each track. There's absolutely not enough time in the day, um, and the night, to get all your work done. You gotta, you know, leave the track. Uh, most of these, t- you know, series make you makes you, uh, you know, stay 30 to, 30 to 45 minutes after the races to sign yeah. autographs. Now you gotta go to the car wash, and if and, and and sprint racing, everybody's rule of thumb is if water touches their car, everything comes out of it, remanufactured, and ready to go. Um, now you got to drive on top of that and, and then get your equipment ready for the next night. So, you know, the Outlaws do it the best. And, you know, even though, you know, like they went here in Kansas City and ran an I-80 and, and Lakeside on a Friday-Saturday right. deal, and that was only like two, two and a half hours, and that was kind of pushing it, but it still gave teams enough time, and they got over it at a decent time on Friday night to get their stuff done. But uh, it, it it also falls back on on your promoters and your series directors on on making smart decisions and choices on or the schedule races, and, and, and knowing, you know, the people that, that follow your series and and what their what their program looks like and if they're capable of, of pulling something off like that. Yeah, no doubt.
1: All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Scott DeLozio, the voice of Paris Auto Speedway, is going to join us here on the show. We're going to talk about the Oval Nationals next here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by Lucas Oil Products. It works. We'll be right back.
3: You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with Scott Trailer.
0: There is less than one hundredth of an inch of motor oil protecting your car's engine
3: You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with Scott Trailer.
1: All right, welcome back. It's mostly motorsports. Having a hard time getting a hold of Scott Delozio. We're gonna continue to try. Um Kirk Elliott. Has the phone number there. He's going to be giving him a call. So um, let's hope that Scott DeLozio answers his phone here pretty quick. We'll have him on the show here in a minute. Um, Austin, did you see where the uh, XR Super Series is going to be racing out in Las Vegas? They were supposed to practice tonight. And uh, weather's moving in. And they're putting tarps down over the racetrack. Did you see that? No, I did not. You didn't? Yep, absolutely. Happening right now. They're going to pay. It's a 40-lap feature. Um, I think that uh, 40-lap feature is going to be tomorrow night, and it's going to pay $20,000 to win. All right, I think we just got a hold of him. It's Duel in the Desert. It's going to be November uh, 10th through the, the 12th. And um, so we're looking forward to, uh, you got him there, Scott? All right, let's let's uh, let's go to the phone now and bring on Scott Delosio, the voice of Paris Auto Speedway. Scott, how you doing?
3: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing back there?
1: Man, we're doing pretty good. You, you had a heck of a weekend, didn't you?
3: Yeah, yeah, we had the 26 Oval Nationals, um, three nights of racing, USAC National and CRA Sprint Cars. It's the only time the two groups meet in full throughout the year. And uh, actually, it was very pleasant this year. Our pre entries, um, we were up some, seven cars, which kind of caught us by surprise with the price of fuel and everything going on right now.
1: Right, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, any surprises this weekend? Um, let me me ask you this Scott was that a little bit of a surprise uh, to see Robert Ballou win that one night Uh, because to be honest with you I, I, I never felt like that Robert had the speed in his car but for some reason or another he was able to pull it off that night wasn't he
3: no you know it really wasn't a surprise because he won the Oval Nationals in 2014 Right, if I remember right he won the preliminary night, um, the Friday, it's a three day show. He won the Friday night preliminary before he won the finale in the next year, if I remember right, he won both preliminaries. So he's, he's always been very fast at Paris auto speedway. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and, um, Kevin Thomas jr. runs second to him that night. Um, he's a three-time winner of the oval nationals as well. He, He, he's always pretty good there, isn't he?
3: Yeah, you can't write that guy off. He's got that racetrack figured out. You know, and he came back uh, driving for Michael Dutcher this year, and I don't think Michael's been out with us for a few years, and uh, put on a good show, actually led that main event um, Friday night until there was two laps to go, and Robert Blue got beat, got past him coming off turn number two. And, you know, those are two of the guys who they're always near the front when they race at Paris Auto Speedway. Yeah, yeah um let's talk a little bit about
1: i i hate to bring this up but the future of paris auto speedway where are we at right now i i know that you had save paris up there they had the big banner up there the hashtag save paris where are we at right now uh, on the future of paris auto speedway
3: well i think a lot of people are are confused on what has been going on um you know, when they say we say save Parasol Speedway a lot. The the deal is, I don't know if you're familiar with the lay of the land out there. Yeah. Um, you've been to the racetrack before. There's yes. that massive dam right behind the racetrack. Yeah. Um, that is one of the largest watersheds in the state of California. Well, about nine years ago, they decided to retrofit that dam. Okay, everything is fine. Well, now they're throwing some other work at the dam that work is not going to affect the racetrack physically itself. That's not what the issue is. Mm -hmm. Um, The issue is the way they're going to do the work, and it's coming very close to the racetrack. It actually is going to take a part of the fairgrounds. Um, The way they're going to do the work is going to make it an inconvenience or a hardship for people who come to the races or for any other thing that goes on the fairgrounds because of traffic. Um, You know, They're basically building bridges where our two – uh, main entrances are, and mm-hmm. there'll only be one entrance into the fairgrounds. while that is going on. Well, when it's a law anywhere in the country, when you inconvenience a business, you have to compensate that business. Um, so as hard as the promoter of the racetrack, um, there's a Mexican concert promoter there. They've joined forces with the concessionaire because they want to know how they're going to be compensated. While this was going on. Well, the state, the DWR, Department of Water Resources, basically ignored, ignored them and left them no option but to file um, a lawsuit Mm. that was filed. I want to say it was filed either December of last year, December 2020. I think it was last year. The state has tried to get that lawsuit thrown out four times. And every single time the judge has rejected their request, they are out of request to do that. Um, so the promoter, you know, they just want to be compensated fairly for, you know, they're going to lose revenue because it's can be hard to get right. in and out of the racetrack.
1: Yeah, no doubt. They
3: want to be compensated fairly for what is going on with that. And, you know, the hope is that, that can be settled before the end of this year. That would alleviate just a lot of pain. I mean, the bottom line is where people, the confusion think the racetrack is going to be torn down because of it. There's not going to be any more racing. The promoter, Don Kazarian every time emphatically states to the fans, he talks to the fans almost every race. Um, and as he stated in social media, the racetrack is not going anywhere. It is not going to close. Hmm. Why? Why did the judge
1: decide three times not to work? Four times. Four, four times. Four times.
3: Well, tell you me. Tell me a little bit about there. that. Why? Why? Um, why did I'm the judge rule in that what way? What went on? I think the reason is because they are failing to compensate. Mm-hmm. That's a law, and by not compensating or offering the compensation to the parties in the lawsuit, in essence. They're breaking the law. Yeah, I mean this is California. I mean, right. anything can happen. You know, anything crazy can happen. But the judge sees it in the right eyes when he's looking at that. Hmm. it is that lake called Lake Paris? Yeah, it's Lake Paris. It was built in 1973. Um, one of the best bass lakes. It was a. It's a man made lake. It is one of the best bass fishing lakes on the west coast um and it is one of the biggest watersheds if not the biggest in california i don't think it is the biggest but one of the biggest um you know last year we've been through a drought which we just had we're way ahead on rainfall this year fortunately right now um most lakes are way down at last year that was that lake was at 110 percent capacity right so it, it is a massive watershed and the what they're doing with the lake and the dam, the promoter, um, the concessionaire, the Mexican concert promoter, they're fully on board with what they're doing. I mean, it, is a, it if that dam were to break, it would be a huge, massive problem. So they're fully on board with what they're doing. Um, they just want to be treated fairly. Right, right. Uh, let me ask you
1: this, Scott, and, and you would know as well as anybody, is there any concern about racetracks in California? Uh, you know, water's a big issue out there, right? You hear about it all the time. We hear it back here on the nightly news, how how big a deal the water is out there. Are, is there any concern about uh, the racetracks in California worrying about not being able to water the racetracks properly?
3: Well, you know, there were some races um, back in August and July that were canceled um, in Central California, which is a, you know, one of the largest farming areas in the nation, Mm -hmm. Um, just because of a water shortage and a a combination of two things, water shortage, and they were going to go up to those racetracks and burn off a bunch of tires. You got the tire issue right now where it's hard to get tires. So, yeah, they have been... um, I haven't heard of any races being canceled in Northern California because of that. Right, and, uh, I'm unaware of any here in Southern California either. I mean, Ventura's—it's not that many tracks left in Southern California anymore. You know, we've That's got true. Paris, we've got Ventura, um, Bakersfield, and the Kern County Raceway Park. Well, Ventura—I don't know if you've ever been there. Um, It's a nine-iron shot from the Pacific Ocean.
1: No, uh, Scotty Cook and I, we drove by there. We came down uh, PCH one time, and we were up there in Oregon, and we decided we were going to drive down um, PCH all the way down the coast. And uh, we went by there, and we just looked at the racetrack. We didn't get a chance to watch any races there. But, man, what a beautiful setting.
3: Oh, it's it's the greatest setting in the world. You know, if you look, the turn one grandstand, you're sitting up there and you look, or I should say the main grandstands, you look up off turn one, and you're looking at the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. You know, it is literally the pits. You can throw a rock from the pits and hit the breaking waves in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, no doubt. Man, it, you it, know, and it's, uh, it's, you know, the guy's been there. This is 44th year promoting that place. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, listen, uh, you know, it, it, are people concerned at all about losing racetracks out there in, in California or is there any concern amongst the promoters out there?
3: Well, I think there is, you know, um, as you probably realize most of the politics out here are politicians out here, are a bunch of wing nuts. Yeah. So there's always you know, worry about that. One good thing about California, nearly every racetrack is on a fairgrounds. So it's almost like having a life preserver around your track when it's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you know, we've had, they were trying to close fairgrounds down a few years ago, the Costa Mesa, Orange County fairgrounds or Costa Mesa speedways been located since 1969 the state tried to, they were going to close that fairgrounds and sell the property, mm. which was going to become housing. Well, the people went crazy when that was announced, and that was pushed back. Um, you know, that's just, uh, racetracks on private property have had issues before. You had mason Marion and Speedway in Bakersfield, which is such a great track. Right, It was a paved half mile, and they were going to build houses on that, so they closed that. I want to say... I think it was in the 2000s, early 2000s, and instead it's a park. You know, real estate's the main problem with racetracks in California. That's the property. People value. say yeah. Ascot got closed because of noise. Ascot got closed because the price, real estate, right? You know, and it's you see very few racetracks. I, you know, I think anywhere in the country, very few racetracks get closed by noise. Yeah. At least in California that's true. People don't understand that it's it's the real the property value. Yeah,
1: no doubt. And, and and the property value in California is at the highest level,
3: right? Yeah, well, I mean, how much of the state is left in the past few years people have come to their senses and taken off to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, houses are readily available and stuff. Yeah, no doubt.
1: All right, We've let's lost uh Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I, uh, we just hope that nothing happens to Paris. Uh, it's such a historic track, and man, it would be a, 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 a just a great loss to the racing community if something was to happen to that racetrack.
3: Yeah, I agree. You know, the Kazarians—they've been well. Next year will be the 27th year of the racetrack. It started out with Ben Kazarian and his three sons, uh, Danny uh four sons danny chris um kenny who moved to texas and don who is the current promoter danny passed away um, about seven eight years ago and their other brother chris i don't know how much he was involved um so don is the last of the mohicans and he's a he's a very astute businessman i always tell people though just thank god he loves racing because if he didn't uh we'd be in trouble But, you know, he's dug his heels in and this whole thing started. You know, he first started saying, you know, the state has uh, chosen the wrong person to mess with on this deal. A lot of people blew that off and now they've seen what he's doing. I mean, they've got two uh, major law firms representing them in court. They hired a media executive to get the word out. Uh, There's just a huge article. People go to our website or our Facebook page, a huge article. In Los Angeles Times Magazine, or the Los Angeles Magazine, which is a major publication out here, um, just this past week about the whole deal. Mm. So people are being made aware of it. We have people, anybody listening, I don't care where you live, if you live uh, in Jupiter, there's numbers on our Facebook page. Call the governor of California. Um, You know, let him know. Just save Paris. You know, I tell people don't worry about the gas tax, you can call him back later for that. Mm-hmm. Just be respectful. That's all you've got to say. Um, there was a huge meeting last Friday, actually, at the racetrack. Uh, one of the state senators flew down from Sacramento. And a couple of county supervisors, along with the mayor and Don, gave a big presentation to them. And they were all you know, going straight back to your future president, our current governor, Governor, News- governor Newsom, to let him know that this is not right.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a tough situation, and and to be honest with you, you know, we hear a lot of historic tracks going to the wayside right now. Uh, I-80 up in Greenwood, Nebraska, it's such a great racetrack. They're closing down after this year. Um, Rumors going around that Devil's Bowl Speedway is going to be closing. Uh, Short Track Nationals, Little Rock, I-30 Speedway is closing down. They sold that racetrack as well. Um, um, we heard that Grandview was going to close up in PA, but now we're hearing that it's going to stay open another year. So that's good news. But it, it, it's we're we're in a fragile state in motorsports right now. Would you agree with
3: that? Oh, a hundred percent agree with that. Like you say, when I first heard I thirty in Grandview, you know, two three months ago, that was unbelievable. And then the Devil's Bowl deal. Those are. I'm, how much, more, how much more famous can those racetracks get? Right. They're at the top of the list, you know, with the Knoxville's, you know, with Eldora, with Paris Auto Speedway. Yeah. You know, they're right up there with all those tracks is when it comes to longevity and history. Mm-hmm. And they're just folding like flies. You know, that's, that's, that's crazy. And out here, like I say, we get to the property value. That's another deal, but fortunately, the tracks out here a majority are on fair grounds or the promoters own the
1: property. yeah, no doubt all right hey let's get back to the final night of the Oval Nationals and uh Brady bacon picks that up. Unfortunately for Brady, we had him on the show this week. Um, his grandfather Ted passed away and that I don't know if you knew Ted or not. But I knew Ted. No, I didn't. I, I, I knew Ted. He was such a nice guy, man. He was one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. And he was he was kind of the king of that family. And for, for them to lose Ted, I can't imagine how heavy of a heart that Brady Bacon, he had to be really motivated to try to win the Oval Nationals this year, didn't he?
3: I think so. Um, he was... You know, he dominated the action on Thursday night. Friday night, he finished fifth. And Saturday night, uh, put it mildly, he stunk up the show. He beat everybody so bad. Yeah. And that was a good feeling main event win for him. Uh, Still one of the ones. I mean, it wasn't our best Oval National just because he whipped up on everybody's rear end so bad. Yeah, no Um, doubt. And more power to him for that. And, I mean, it was a great thing to see him – so many of the people in the stands were pulling for him because he lost his grandpa. Yeah. And to see him achieve that, and he's been trying for the Oval National you know, for God knows how many years now. And I want to say 2018 or 2019, he won the troop preliminary night, was the fastest car in the track, and the main event was running second. A yellow flag came on the car in front of him, checked up. He had nowhere to go, caught the guy's wheel, spun to the wall, had to restart at the back. Mm-hmm. So it's been a long time coming. Um very well deserved win and couldn't happen at a better time, you know, to help with the grief he was suffering at that point.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And he picks up the twenty grand and then he picks up that extra ten grand on top of that yeah. as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool too. You know, we uh we were proud that the Bubby Jones Master Going Faster series finished at Paris all Speedway. I mean, Bubby Jones, I've got a dog I just let out who was named Old Bub after Bubby Jones. <laughs> um, he meant a lot to everybody, but especially to the Kazarian family because he won two CRA championships with them. He, he drove for them. He won like 85 or 92 CRA main events driving for them over the years, which is fourth or fifth on the all-time list. He worked for them um, at their landfill when Paris Auto Speedway opened, Bubby Jones helped design it. Bubby Jones worked at the racetrack for four or five years before moving back to Indiana. He's a huge part of Paris Auto Speedway and the Kazarian family. So, it was really an honor for Issac to set the finals of the Bubby Jones Master of Going Faster Series at Paris Auto Speedway.
1: Yeah. What are the What does the Kazarian family do for a living? What do they do?
3: Uh, Don's a racetrack promoter. That's it. Pretty much nowadays. I mean, they had the landfill in West Covina for years and years. I think it's West Covina. Um, you know, dad, when he was younger, was, uh, partner with Val Melitich and Parnelli Jones at an auto dealership. Uh, but mostly it was a landfill deal all along, which when you think back to the days of Ascot, I mean, that is where. The Agajanian family, Mm
7: -hmm. where they
3: made their fortune, was in the garbage business. Right. So you had two dueling Armenian families in auto racing, fighting over garbage out here. How about that? Wow. And, you know, nowadays it's pretty cool because, you know, the sons all get along so well. Chris Agajanian, JC Jr., Kerry Agajanian, and, you know, now Donnie flying the flag alone for uh, the racetrack. They all get along pretty good where they were such rivals back in the you know 60s 70s and 80s over the garbage business in LA yeah
1: no doubt well Scott man we really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today it really gives us a little insight on what is going on out there at Paris Auto Speedway it sounds like um that it's not going anywhere and that's a good thing and that's the that's the most important thing we don't want to lose any more racetracks
3: no, we don't. And like I say, Don, he signed a 20-year lease, I want to say 2018 or 2019. So we still still have a long way to go on that. But we still want people to call and support the racetrack. And like I say, it does not matter where you're from. Um, the number is on the top of our Facebook page. It's on our website to call the governor of California. If you don't get a live person, just leave a short, sweet message letting know to save Paris from the... Uh, Department of Water Resources, Lake Paris Project, every call they get has to be logged with what the subject is. That is what resulted in the meeting with the senator flying down last week and Don and the supervisors and the mayor of the city. That's what resulted in that is the amount of people who just call and have kept calling and kept it on the front burner for those these politicians uh, in the state. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Well, Scott. Uh, again, we thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, we appreciate it. And listen, you—you uh, you are definitely one of the very best in the business, Ed. I—I—I'm I, I'm I not
3: realize you. I didn't realize you had a hearing problem.
1: No, I—I I don't have a hearing <laughs> problem. But I—I um, I know good announcers when I hear them. And to be honest with you, I was a little set back that you weren't the main announcer at the Oval Nationals to be honest with
3: you. Well, I was at the racetrack. Well, I did the live call at the racetrack and Chet Christner is a great announcer. He did the flow, the flow coverage.
1: I I, I love Chet. Don't get me wrong, but I I just would have loved to heard the smooth pipes of Scott Delozio. That's all.
3: Well, you know what? Next year, it means you got to fly out for the race, I guess.
1: I, I think I might do that. <laughs> I might just do that next year. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Mostly Motorsports. I appreciate you, buddy.
3: Hey, thank you very much for uh, letting us talk and explain things going on out here. And we hope everybody has a great holiday season. We appreciate everything you and your crew do back there.
1: All right, buddy. Thank you so much, Scott. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. There you have it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show. It's all brought to you by Lucas Oil Products. It works. We'll be right back.
3: You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with Scott Trailer.
0: There is less than one hundredth of an inch of motor oil protecting your car's engine.
3: You're listening to Mostly Motorsports with Scott Trailer.
1: Welcome back to Mostly Motorsports. I'm Scott Trailer, along with Austin O'Neill. Want to remind everybody about the Corvette that they're going to be raffling off up there at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. It's a 2023 Z06 Corvette with the Z07 performance package. It's pearl-white metallica coat color. And they're going to give you $25,000 in cash on top of it. They're going to be giving that car away on August 19, 2023. This is a 760 horsepower, 5.5 LT6 V8 engine. It goes from 0 to 60 in 2.6 seconds, 8-speed automatic. And it's got all the, the, the bigger tires, wheels, large brakes, aero package, This is a real performance car, folks. It's a 2023 Z06 with the Z07 performance package. If you would like to have a chance to win this car in a raffle, all you need to do is go to winaz06corvette.com. That's winaz06corvette.com, and you can sign up and have a chance to win this beautiful Corvette. This Corvette is worth $100,000, folks. $100,000 $100,000 this Corvette is worth. Plus, they're going to give you $25,000 to help pay for the taxes on that as well. And don't forget, they're also, we're just about ready to give away the uh, 2022 Triple X Complete 410 Sprint Car that uh, they're, they're going to be giving away. They're going to give you $25,000 in cash with that one as well. Um, you can go to SprintCarRaffle.com to buy raffle tickets they're going to be giving this away on friday december 16th that's coming up here pretty quick folks so if you want to have a chance to win this complete race ready 410 sprint car you can do so at sprintcarraffle.com that's sprintcarraffle.com i know some people are not comfortable with giving their information online you can also give them a call at 641-842-6176 Again, that's 641-842-6176, and you can give them the information over the phone if you would like to because I know some people are not comfortable giving their information online as well. So this is all going on up at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. Uh, Again, if you want to try to win this 2023 Z06 uh, Corvette with the Z07 performance package, you can do that at winaz06corvette.com. That's winaz06corvette.com, and if you want to try to win the Sprint Car, you can do that at sprintcarraffle.com as well. All right, there you have it. That's all going on up at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. Listen, next year they're going to have a Williams Grove uh, track tribute at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see that. They're going to have a bunch of good cars up there as well. All right. Um, I, I, I got to put this out here real quick. Jimmy Mars announces his retirement, and uh, he's going to be putting in USMTS champion Dustin Sorensen, and he's going to be filling in the seat for uh, Jimmy Mars. What do you think about that, Austin? That's pretty good. Pretty good hire, right there. Cool, Dustin Sorensen, isn't it? Uh, I I don't. Uh, I I know Jimmy. I not personally.
2: I, I know you know what he's accomplished in, in his successful business and building modifieds and, and and late models too. And uh, you know it's sucks to see him. You know take a step back, but you know business is really booming right now, and it's it's just too tough to to try and you know do both and and have a successful you know uh, chassis business. So. Uh, I mean, who else better to hire than you know Dustin Sorensen just coming off a championship? It'll be interesting to see what the transition looks like. I don't know if he's ran any late model stuff in his in his career uh, up to this point, but um, it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to the
1: big tire car and uh, you know what he can do with it. Yeah, um, Patrick, he he chimed in. He said Irwindale won't close down because the ground is contaminated. Can't build anything there without spending billions to clean it up. They closed Fontana Drag Strip because of the noise. So there was a little noise issue going on right there as well. So, Patrick, we want to thank you for chiming in today on the show. Um, Emerson Axum is going to be running a sprint car out in California, but he didn't say what car he was going to be driving. Did you see that? You want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Emerson Axum said he's going to race a car... A sprint car in California, but he didn't say who it, who he was driving for. He's not, he he never mentioned who it was for. Hmm, that's kind of weird. I have to wait it? and find out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so that's about all I've got for today. You got anything you want to add in there?
2: Nope. Welcome to the middle of November. It's there's really nothing but USAC Midgets going to be on this these next couple of weeks and turkey night and that xr we'll have, super
1: series is going to be on this weekend too. yeah
2: we'll have yeah. we'll have the coin and 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 uh gateway here in december and shoot out and chili bowl and we should be getting ready to fire off back for you know dirt car national so uh it's going to be
1: be a long couple of weeks here without any racing but we're going to load up on guests that's what we're going to do austin we're just going to load up and just get as many guests as we can get Hmm. That's all we can do. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in to the show. Uh, I want to thank Austin O'Neill for being such a great uh part of the show. He's always does a great job. And my partner Kirk Elliott for hanging out with us here in the studio as well. I'm Scott Trailer saying thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. It's phone Friday. Tomorrow, Kirk Elliott's gonna sit in with us. And we hope that you'll join us here on Mostly Motorsports. It's all brought to you by LucasOil Products. It works. We'll see you tomorrow at 12 noon Central Time.